Arab American Cafe podcast aims to surface a unique perspective. The Arab American perspective. Perspective that should be heard. And it is worth learning about. Join Muhannad and Hassan at this cafe, talking about stuff, debating and discussing relevant issues while sipping coffee. Today at the cafe, we talked to our political and social activist friend Elias about the insurrection that happened last week at Capitol Hill. We specifically touch on four categories. Was the insurrection planned or was it spontaneous? The aftermath it might have on freedom of speech. The effect it will have on the future of the GOP. Will Trump disappear and fade away or will we still hear from him? And how would the Biden administration going to fix this and what would governing look like in the future? Join us and listen. The event that has occurred uh, on the state capitol uh, were unbelievable. This, uh, this has probably become or will become a pivotal moment where we will witness uh, an unprecedented change in, in many things that have been uh, usually uh, the, considered the norms. Um, uh, at all, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I mean, just to sort of lay out the backstory, I assume everyone basically knows by now, but maybe some of the details got lost in the shuffle. So, you know, on Wednesday, January 6th, the pro-Trump mob managed to breach the Capitol and interrupt the certification of Joe Biden's Electoral College victory. Now, if you've been keeping track of social media, there are all sorts of viral photos of those Trump supporters inside the building. I remember one kind of famous one shows an armed writer with his foot up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. So yeah. these people, they gathered in D.C. for the culmination of the effort to stop this steal, as the Republicans have been saying. We all know that for months, Trump and his legal team have promoted all sorts of crazy conspiracy theories that the 2020 election was stolen from them. And it's worth noting that this was kind of like the plan all along in the event that they lost. I mean, even in 2016, when Trump won, he spent the lead up to Election Day complaining that the election would be rigged against him and all of the, all this other nonsense. But the gathering on January 6th, it started with a speech by Trump in which he encouraged attendees to make their way to the Capitol. He also told them, and, and this is really stunning, he said, quote, you'll never take back the country with weakness. You have to show strength. So, so it's no surprise that elected officials from both sides of the aisle have come out and condemned Trump for clearly inciting this insurrection, just what a lot of people are calling it an insurrection. And some are now even demanding Trump's removal from office, even this late into his term with only, right by the time this goes up, maybe around a week left. Uh, House Democrats have already drafted articles of impeachment. If they're passed, this would make Trump the first president in history to be impeached twice in all in just one term. The Electoral College certification, though it was delayed, it eventually went through, none of the objections stood. And if it still needs to be said, Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. He won the election with 306 electoral votes to Trump's 232. That's basically the story. It is the story that uh, we are living through right now and it is still unfolding. And I think uh, personally, uh, there, this story will impart new realities uh, and those merit a lot of uh, analysis. And I, I'm sure there will be political scientists and social scientists looking into why and how how this unfolded. Security and law experts will be also pouring into this, trying to uh, devise uh, uh, new solutions or preemptive solutions for for things that may happen along the same line. Uh, I, I like the point that Elias mentioned on how people are calling it insurrection, and, and it certainly is one major thing to to uh, 
consider. Um, specifically, there are some people, and uh, definitely it uh, depends which media outlet you're listening to, but on CNN, several on the anchors, specifically Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo and even Anderson Cooper were calling it domestic terrorism. And with that label, comes the question, you know, when, when, you, when you say it's a terrorist act, that means it has been planned, it has been organized, and there has been a movement or a machine behind it. So the, the question is, which, which everyone is now trying to pin, depending on where you sit on the aisle, was this a spontaneous outburst based on the emotions of those that believe that the election was stolen. And of course, with Trump fanning the, this, these emotions and all that, is that how they just spontaneously decided to storm the Capitol as freedom lovers, uh, Americans that are taking back democracy? Or were there those that we saw that came wearing camouflage, wearing uh, masks, wearing uh, army gear, and some had tools and all that with this, this sole purpose that at at some point, I'm going to mobilize this massive crowd and take them into this act. So, so this, I think, is a very good point to consider. And it certainly is when, when history is going to analyze this, or even for legal matters, and even if they are considering impeachment and all that, was there a machine behind that act? Or was it truly a spontaneous uh, Americans uh, that, that are, are demanding answers and they're rebelling against the machine? And some people People even incite that that uh, there might be a foreign power behind that. A lot of the theory that Russia had had some informational role or whatever. So, so I think this is where some of the points need to be uh, discussed. Well, let me give you the answer to those points. I think personally that number one, this was more than likely. I wouldn't say certainly, but it was organized. Meaning. Uh, yeah, if you if you uh, look at their social media feed, uh, those extreme groups have been talking about descending on DC and uh, claiming the mantle and uh, you know correcting the injustices, uh, which according to them is the steal. So the steal of the election, uh, which was uh, a hashtag on the social media feed, uh, was uh, where uh, yeah this this place where all these people have uh, not only talked about their grand and their problem but also try to organize and try to figure out how to uh, take back what it is uh, supposedly you know uh, uh, the wrong that was inflicted upon them president trump himself uh, said around the christmas time uh, you know see you on january 6 uh, and he says it's going to be wild or something like that he also said uh, new year's eve uh, that uh, you know we will be meeting uh, on january 6 and so these people basically kind of understood that they needed to be there and uh, for them to be able to get to the to that one place at that one point in time a lot of organizing went into it uh, you know where to stay where to eat how to get there uh, where to meet all these things so there was some organizing in my mind no doubt um, the the role of foreign uh, powers and you mentioned that briefly I think you know one cannot uh, negate the fact that uh, th there is interest for foreign powers and disturbing the peace so to speak I mean you know the Russian disinformation thing uh, was brought up during the Hillary uh, Clinton versus Trump campaign at the time, you know, the disinformation was saying that Trump was favored by the Russian. I wouldn't 
put it beyond them that they're basically contributing to uh, the disinformation campaign and, and it doesn't necessarily uh, have to lead to an organized effort the disinformation in of itself create chaos and that is an advantageous thing to the opposing uh, party and or the opposing uh, point of view leading to whatever chaos that is uh, desirable if you are Russia with that do you should we if, if there is a machine behind it and there are some instigators I don't know what you think Elias should we expect more violence or, or have we seen the last of it? yeah it's a good question I think just sort of erring on the side of caution you have to expect that there's more to come I know that a lot of the organizing for this went on on parlor which is this new conservative social media conservatives feel as though they're being discriminated against on some of the more mainstream social media platforms so they came up with their own and apparently according to people who have gotten into parlor there's already plans in the work to do something else right whether that's trying to take the capital again or you know maybe an act of a different nature but I, I certainly think that even just erring on the side of caution we really do have to expect that there is more to come we haven't seen the last of it I think they're saying something about coming down to DC on the 17th I read that somewhere and uh, in fact uh, I uh, went on parlor and I uh, it's amazing how very explicit they are about what needs to happen I mean we're talking violence here. We're talking weapons and uh, occupation of certain parts of Washington. This is some of that maybe all, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, crap, but uh, it's right there. It's uh, it's being discussed and open. And what I actually uh, was intrigued by is some people saying that Parler should actually banned from the Apple store and from the Google uh, app store so that the whole medium of, of this type of communication, uh, if it's cannot be regulated, it needs to be banned. Uh, and, and then here, a quick point about banning uh, Trump. Um, as much as I hate for him to uh, continue to, uh, to to throw the, the this garbage out in, in, in the public sphere, I kind of feel for him. He woke up and now he doesn't have Twitter, he doesn't have Facebook. The guy must be feeling very, very lonely right now uh, without, without his mouthpieces, uh, without being able to voice him foul opinion, so to speak. Well, excuse me, but boo-hoo. I, I, I certainly do not feel bad for him. In fact, I am much happier that I do not see million tweets and this big mouth. But I agree with you. Are we treading a fine line between freedom of speech, First Amendment, or censorship? I don't have the answer. I certainly am happy that he is banned. I think he makes more damage in the name of freedom of speech. And you're right. Actually, Apple uh, app is now considering, I think I heard it on, on the news, that they are going, they, they gave Parler a couple of warnings with the threat that they will ban remove them. Google already uh, took them off their, their apps. So I'm, I'm on the sideline on this, leaning more towards that if this is the result of someone with a big mouth talking, then maybe they should be shut down. But who give them the right to regulate uh, the the content? I mean, they own the platform, fine. They have their own rules and stuff like that, fine. But I mean, where do you draw the line? I mean, if they can actually ban uh, the president of the United States, they can ban anybody. And one of the things that I was just uh, listening to the other day on one of those uh, right-wing uh, radio shows, uh, you've got uh, 
terrorist on on Twitter. You've got you've got the Ayatollah. <laughs> That's what they said. You've got the Ayatollah on Twitter. Hugo Chavez can on Twitter. So and, at what and, point on time? <laughs> and, and I'm sure if they want. So you you said it. They own the platform. It's similar to how if you go on Fox, you hear a different point, and if you go on CNN, you go on uh, to a different point. This is no longer uh, allowing you to state your mind or freedom of speech. Even if you want to say what you want, they can edit it. They can steer it in a different direction they can take it out of context and all that so the minute you agree to be on that platform then you are accepting their rules no one is saying he cannot stand in the middle of washington square and say whatever he wants this is freedom of speech but now that you are subscribing to something and if that format has rules and regulations and policies and all that and you're violating them then sure you'll be kicked out and that happens to any one of us let's just change direction here i was thinking that the gop is going to suffer through this i was thinking that most recent events we will likely to witness a split within the gop probably leading to two or three factions within the same conservative uh, movement I was just wondering, what do you guys think about that? What happened, there's, uh, as you know, guys, so, so what happened is that they fell in the hole that they were trying to dig. We knew going in that they were members of Congress, close to 140 and at least 14 senators that are going to make a fuss and give speeches and object and all that. What happened has flipped some of the... the you know, the bad apples that, that we always heard from, like Kelly Loeffler from, from Georgia immediately withdrew. And I think this was the wake-up call that the GOP needed. And even now, you're you're seeing them distancing themselves and all that. But I do agree that there are still, at in, in the GOP, are going to be more the hardliners, such as Cruz and Howley. Even Cruz is changing some of his language, which makes him even a bigger hypocrite than I thought he is. Yeah, I mean, just going back to what you were saying, Hassan. I don't know if there's necessarily three factions, but I, I saw it for sure, at least during the certification, two factions emerge. I mean, for sure. And you know, as, as I'm sure you guys know, I'm no fan of Mitt Romney, but I, I do think he deserves some credit for his response to all of this, especially because of how much it differed from someone like a Cruz or a Hawley. I remember he used his speaking time on the Senate floor to really just call out his Republican colleagues. And it's not an easy thing to go against your own party like that. He basically said that the Republicans could have avoided all of this, you know, the disaster that happened at the Capitol by just telling the truth and admitting that Biden did win the election fair and square and he's totally right i mean that level of moral clarity and sort of placing the blame appropriately was refreshing especially in this sort of you know trump republican party and then you compare that to cruz and hawley who even after what happened at the capitol stuck by their phony objections i mean the thing is like trump lives in an alternate reality right alternative facts is a famous phrase he might actually believe the lies that he tells about a stolen election i have a harder time believing the same is true of cruz and holly though cruz and holly are supposed to be highly educated uh, harvard and yale lawyers uh to be living in that alternative reality is really a far-fetched idea more than likely uh 
well, we know that one of them at least is an opportunistic guy. So they're trying to ride the wave and uh, benefit from uh, whatever the, the leftover from the Trump uh, popularity. I think the more ideologue is uh, a person like uh, Tom Tom Cotton, who is uh, probably going to be a 2024 Republican candidate. I mean, by what I meant by a three three fraction, I mean you know the number three uh, fraction uh, faction is the uh, the people who no longer believe in the democratic process. So they feel that uh, this were this was uh, they were cheated out and they were left out. And these are the people who actually probably were stirred by uh, Trump to go and uh, you know invade the the, the capital. These are the the, the extreme far right element who probably are going to turn into a, a fascist component of the right wing movement or of the of the the conservative movement, and they will basically go back to blaming the uh, the uh, the swamps, so to speak, and the political elite for abandoning them, and they will be probably presided by Trump officially or unofficially. He will be their hero. He will be the hero of that kind of person, the person who felt that um, they were betrayed by the Republican, by the GOP. So that's what I meant by three factions. Um, going back to Trump uh, uh, and the question that is looming out there about his uh, potential impeachment. Initially, you know, before this happened, I was just thinking to myself, you know, maybe we should not really uh, bring Trump uh, to the court and, uh, and maybe, you know, Biden being a, a recon- you know, a figure of reconciliation. Wouldn't want him to be in the spotlight. But uh, after this happened, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, he should bear some consequences. You cannot just do all this and get away with it. Because if you get away with it, that means other people can do something similar and, uh, you know, be home free. So in my mind right now, uh, there should be some consequences to whatever uh, Trump uh, has caused uh, to happen, be it another impeachment or or something. Uh, How about about the practicality of the impeachment? I'm not sure um, you guys uh, have thought about this. I'm thinking it's not practical wouldn't happen. It's not going to happen simply because uh, we don't have enough time to, for, for something like that to, to, to take place. I and- completely agree. I think it's a little too late either for the impeachment or for invoking the 25th Amendment. But in the same time, what you said is absolutely right. I think he needs to be held in some way, shape or form accountable for this. And I think this is what he needs for someone with a narcissistic grandeur personality like his. I think that is going to certainly affect him more. I mean, we saw what happened when he lost the election and how traumatic that was. But can you imagine if he was shamed by some way, what, whatever it is, I don't know what it is, but, but he needs to feel that pain that he has been building for the past four years. Now, I mean that this is the last we are going to hear from him. I doubt it. Someone with such a pathological need to be in the center, someone who needs to be in in uh, the focus, and specifically with 70 million people that believe in him and are willing to do whatever they done for him. I think he is enjoying his new acquired role as a leader of a cult and probably will still cash on that for personal gain, whether it's fame, 
whether it's 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 financial gain as well. You know, you keep I keep hearing 70 million who, who believe in him, and I honestly don't think it is 70 million. I mean, a lot of the people who voted for him voted because they believe in the value of the GOP, you know, conservative values, you know, being able to maybe uh, you know the abortion issue, the tax issue, the uh, social social order type of thing. So being conservative does not equate being a Trump supporter. I think that Trump supporter, this group is not the 70 million, maybe a, not even a, a small portion of the 70 million. Having said that, I acknowledge the fact that they are influential and they are very loud and they're able to cause a lot of chaos. Yeah, I mean, just, just going to your point about a lot of the support for Trump really just being support for the GOP, I think that's a good point and I feel like it's not brought up nearly enough. I mean, if we remember even just back in 2012, Mitt Romney, who I mentioned earlier, lost the election with a high percentage of the popular vote than Trump got either time. He got about 47.2% of the popular vote against probably a stronger candidate in Barack Obama than either Hillary or Joe Biden. The main motivator here, and really in all US elections, is partisanship. And I think that's an important point to make. The thing is, uh, politically, I think Trump and the Trump family are done. After this, chances are Trump will not be able to run. Chances are, after this, Ivanka Trump will never dream to become a senator anymore. I hope that they will never be able to seek office at all. I yeah. sure hope so. Uh, I think what we should be looking for is what is the future going forward? And the future now is clear, whether uh, he likes it or not, there is a new administration, there is a new president. That president has ran on a platform that is completely against what Trump was advocating. He said, we're going to return to normal, whether that means because of the pandemic or because of what Americans have experienced in the past four years. He's going to unite the country, he's going to heal it. He said, this is not America. Uh, absolutely, he's using all the right phrases that any president in the past used as his motto of this is how he will govern. So the, the question is, will Biden govern from a conciliatory middle or now with controlling both the Senate and the House, would he take more a left turn? Is he going to reach across the aisle or is he going to take advantage of the power that the Democrats have? And how would that translate to those that do not believe in him as a president? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. If you ask me, I think it's basically guaranteed that Biden is going to govern more from the center than the left. I mean, he's not a progressive. He's never been one. He has a long history of trying to strike this grand bargain with Republicans to cut the most popular social programs in the U.S. like Medicare and Social Security. I mean, he voted for the Iraq War. His Secretary of State appointee was an Iraq War supporter as well. I mean, these are things we can't really forget about. Joe Biden is, however you slice it, pretty much on the right, even if not as much as the GOP is. And whatever rhetoric he's adopted to try to win over progressive voters doesn't change that. The one concern I have is uh, the changes that are going to occur as a result of this. I think probably we will be witnessing more of an Orwellian 
and state, people who work in the field of security and surveillance uh, surveillance are having a field day. You will be seeing cameras with facial recognition. You will be seeing more intrusion on uh, personal uh, freedom of expression. We as Arab American have seen something like that following 9-11. And I think now under the guise of uh, fighting domestic terrorism, uh, you're going to see all kind of programs funded and uh, maybe uh, directed in different directions. Uh, some of that is going to be legitimate, but some of it is going to be questionable. And that's really the infliction point, I think. This infliction point uh, is is going to be long lasting, uh, and we as Arab American uh, can understand uh, this. Uh, whether this will be successful at quelling the domestic terrorism, um, I don't know. Uh, I know that the approach will have to be a bit more thought of in a very methodical way, and I sure hope and pray this will take place. So this is what happened at the cafe. We'd like to hear from you and whether you agree or not. Join the conversation at Twitter at AA Cafe Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.